Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. Today our scripture comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 25, verses 29 to 34. This is the word of the Lord. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we come to this time, the preaching of your word. It is the meal that you have set before your people to nourish us in the spiritual realities that have eternal weight, that make the difference each week from us walking in faithfulness or drifting away. So, Father, I pray that you would anoint me by your Holy Spirit to preach what your word says, to preach it rightly, clearly, authoritatively, passionately, and compassionately. And, Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, that all of the concerns and distractions of this world, all the whispers of things to do, that come to our minds at this time, that you would silence them and let us lean in to have our souls formed to the likeness of Christ and preserved from the path of destruction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, if this is your first week with us in uh, 2020, welcome uh, this is the second week of our series called What If? Uh, you have a picture of it on your bulletin. And the uh, idea of this series is seen in that picture, that there is a, a path that we are on and that in front of us there is a, a branch. Uh, one path goes to the right and one path goes to the left. And the series is called What If? because the question is, uh, always in front of us, as we walk in this life, as we seek to be faithful, what if we go down this path or that path? Every day we recognize that, that our faith is being strengthened or weakened by the choices that we make. As we remember Martin Luther saying at the beginning of the Reformation that when Christ called us to repent, he called us to a daily life of repentance which means that the path of faith is a path that we choose daily. 
And if it is a path that we choose daily, we must recognize that daily there are other paths that are being put in front of us that are causing, that, 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 that have the potential of great harm, of leading us away from faithfulness, from leading us away from intimacy with the Lord. And as we look at these various paths, we are called to self-examination. What path are we on? Are we on the path of faith? Or do we find ourselves on one of these false ways? Last week, we looked at the path of indifference. How easy it is to lose the path of faith simply by just not caring that much. We go on the path of indifference by having divided affections, having quenched affections. We cannot give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ because some of us has already been given away to something that we cherish, a sin or an idol. And so we find ourselves not on the path of faith, but rather on the path of spiritual minimalism, treating church and treating faith as a what-is-enough God sort of mentality. And we saw that that path is not the path that is successful, is not the path of the cool and with it. It is the path of the loser because those who commit to the path of indifference, of being too cool to be for Jesus, lose Jesus and all that goes with him. This week, we're going to look at another path a path that I think is even scarier in its temptation and its call upon our lives. It is the path of gratification. The path of gratification. Every day there is a why in the road between the path of faith and the path of gratification. What do I mean by gratification. I am not here talking about the occasional treat, the occasional uh, dessert, the, the having a, a, a moment that is just sweet and to itself, having, having a hobby or any of these sorts of things that, that gratify us. I'm not against the idea of being gratified by things in this world and enjoying many of the things in this world. That is not what we are talking about with, the gratifica- with, with gratification. All of these things are good things. God has given us these things to, to give thanks for. No, what I'm talking about when I talk about gratification, well, one example is temptation. The gratification that comes to us in the form of temptation. Every day, there is a point in my life where I say, what if I go with it? What if I lean into that impulse? What if I dwell upon that thought? What if I look a little longer? We all face the gratification of temptation, of of an extra look, of of the question, maybe an affair would be just what I need. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I will give that that a try, just just a taste. 
We recognize that 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 is the path of gratification, but that's not the only path. Although I think we wake up every day and experience some aspect of that all the time. I'm also talking about gratification in the form of the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness that we see in, in in a young mother with sweet children who loves spending time with them, and that's all that she wants to do. And so when something else comes upon her, some some other uh, demand for her time, the excuse is always, I have little kids. It's the pursuit of happiness of of the person who, who works at a job he loves, and he works hour after hour after hour because to stay in that job is a place of great comfort and satisfaction. And getting home early to take care of the kids or getting home early to to deal with the chores, he doesn't want to do that. And so that is the pursuit of happiness. It is the pursuit of, of feeling gratified in the moment. It is the pursuit of easiness, of relaxation. Every moment that we say, well, I'm just going to stretch this moment out a little bit longer. I'm going to take the easy road. I'm going to take the recliner. That's the pursuit of gratification. The pursuit of gratification is the road that is emotional. If your life is marked by by being angry quickly and angry often, or envious, or impatient, that is your emotional life telling you that you are constantly seeking gratification. A short fuse is a fuse that is saying, I'm not getting what I want. Darn tootin', as we say in our heads, right? The way of gratification is the way of preoccupation. It's the way of staying extra busy so that you don't have to do something you don't want to do. It's the, it's the way of the daydreamer. That in, when everything in your life is just kind of meh, you just kind of go into your little daydream and you spend your time there and you relax and enjoy all of that. It's, it's, it's the, the way of, of, of the internet, of just checking out a new curiosity, of, of pursuing just something that gets you more likes on social media and living for that. Gratification is living in the now. It is living with this question controlling everything you do. Am I happy? It is the tyranny of the present. And we are caught in this tyranny because this idea, the path of gratification, is our culture. Do you recognize that that we have created an understanding that our identity as human beings is defined by whether we are able to gratify our desires? It is a human right to be able to gratify your desires in the present culture. And nothing can be allowed to question that. You watch marketing commercials all the time. It's saying you need this right now. It is is constantly stoking, get what you want, get what you want. The whole idea, you know, one value that is is not cherished in all of the good things about America Saving. Saving money. Every time a survey is done, 
we discover that, that Americans spend most of their money, like 99.5% on the now. And there's this crisis called retirement, and nobody's ready for it. It's the American way. It is in our Declaration of Independence. You are to be committed to the pursuit of happiness. That is the road that keeps us busy. We are all sucked into this. Gratification is the ever-present siren call. Make yourself happy now. Let me, let me describe this road from Scripture. From the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Let me give you the simple definition of the way of gratification. It's the easy way. And that's what makes it so tempting to take. The passage that we look at today provides a warning through the story of Esau and Jacob against pursuing the path of gratification. We are going to see that this road of gratification that looks easy and good is in fact a dangerous road littered with treacherous conditions that make getting off of it almost impossible. In fact, as we go through this passage, we are going to see four dangerous conditions on the way of gratification. Now, who are Jacob and, and Esau, our characters in this story? Well, let's go way back and figure out where we are in the big storyline with the uh, acronym CASKET, which we talked about last week. That's the uh, acronym that helps us make uh, sense of where everything is in the Old Testament. Casket stands for C, creation, A, Abraham, S, Sinai, K, kings, E, exile, and T, temple. Now, we are in the story of Jacob and Esau in what is that section with A, Abraham. Abraham stands for the period of the patriarchs. It's the story of God's people from Genesis 12 to Genesis 50. And Jacob, uh, Jacob and Esau fit into the, the story of Abraham because Abraham had a child. All right? What's, what's Abraham's child's name? Isaac. Yes. Then Isaac has a, a, a child. Actually, he has two child, children, and they're twins. One is Jacob, and one is Esau. Esau is born first, and then Jacob comes out. But they had a terrible relationship, even in their mother's womb, so much so that God spoke to their mother, Rebekah, saying that the younger will serve the older. And so we have in this story, in the background of this story, the, the doctrine of election. The question that lies in front of us is, who is going to have the birthright in the, in the family line of the patriarchs? Because the birthright is the carry of the promise of the Messiah. Is it going to be Jacob or is it going to be Esau? Is it going to be the firstborn or is it going to be the secondborn? We know that God has already chosen. He has decided before they were born, before they had done anything right or wrong, that it was going to be Jacob. And so at one level, we can just back up and say, well, you know, that's that. 
But we discover as we look at this story that God's decrees of election are not against our free will. They actually come through the free actions and free choices of the people in the story. The election of Jacob over Esau comes through the choices that Jacob and Esau make. We see here that that election and free will are taught in Scripture to be compatible. As the uh, commentator Franz Delich states, Esau's forfeiture of these firstborn privileges is, according to Romans 9, a work of free divine election, but not without being at the same time as this narrative shows the result of Esau's voluntary self-degradation. So we can't simply say, well, I I know I'm not Esau. I, I know I'm a believer in Jesus. Because choices are part of God's election. We are called then to consider this passage. What path are we choosing? Are we taking the way of Esau in pursuing the road of gratification, or are we pursuing the birthright, the promise of salvation? Esau's selling of his birthright illustrates four dangerous conditions that meet us on the road to gratification. These are given to us to warn us and to help us to see, where am I? Have I fallen onto this path? Let us look at these four dangerous conditions. We're going to see that the road is slicked with powerful cravings. We're going to see that the road is twisted around short-sighted priorities. We are going to see that the road is rutted by fleeting payoffs. And finally, we are going to see that the road dead ends with no turnaround. Let's take a look at each condition on the road of gratification. First, the road is slicked with our powerful cravings. We look at verses 29 and 30 where we see Jacob and Esau, our main characters, coming uh, into the scene. Esau comes out from from being a hunter. That was his trade to to meet Jacob, who was kind of a homebody. And uh, we, we see them in their environs. Esau has has been out, a skillful hunter who has yet somehow been unsuccessful in hunting, and he has hunted himself to the point of of exhaustion. We're told that he is exhausted. That word can also be translated famished. He's starving. He comes in just occupied with a single need. I must eat. And if you uh, have the ESV for the translation, it says, let me eat some of that red stew. Uh, I I believe that's been a little extra polished because the actual Hebrew is quite rough. Esau says, let me gulp down some of that red stuff. That red stuff. Literally, red stuff is in there twice. And the word that he uses for eat is not delicate. It's the same word that is, that is used of cattle going to the trough and just slurping and slopping and, and filling themselves up as messily as possible, just ravenous. So we see that, that he is being described with like an animalistic urge, a hunger that has made him like a brute animal. Esau comes into the scene ruled by his cravings. 
He must satisfy what he needs. He must get it. Can you relate to that? Have you had a want, a craving, a hunger that is just, whoa, I got to have it. It's consuming. It, 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 it makes you throb. It's, 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 it's pounding upon you. This is the road of gratification. The road is slipped with our powerful cravings. And what are those cravings? They, they are our appetites. And appetites are natural. You're, you're designed to have appetite. You're designed to get hungry. You're designed to get thirsty. You're designed to get sleepy. They're the things that make us human. But they're also the things that make us needy. And what do we do with the needs of our cravings, the needs of our appetite? They are powerful. I mean, they can take control in a moment. You can be just trotting along, happy, go lucky, and then all of a sudden, I need something. These cravings are, 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 are very much like coming upon a slick road. Now, I, I know that we are down in the south, but if, if, you've, if you've ever driven on ice before, uh, as... as Hopefully many of you have. Anyways, ice shows up on the road. It's black. You can't see it. it just, it's just underneath you all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, you are out of control. You try to hit the brakes, and you can't. The momentum that you have when you meet that slick of ice cannot be stopped. It goes forward. It pushes you onward. The momentum is hard to stop. The, the idea of, of this road is slicked, is like, is like what you experience every time when you open a bag of chips. How much of the bag of chips do you eat? You eat the whole bag. Because once the momentum of going in and grabbing a chip starts, it goes until there's no more chip. You have to start with a small bag. I have found there is no bag too large that I cannot just keep going. It is a slick road that these powerful cravings put you on. It's not just slick, it's sloped. It's like coming onto ice on a downward hill. You can't hit the brakes and stop. You are just pushed forward. The road to gratification starts and quickly accelerates. So I was thinking about this point. I, I was thinking about the, the book Song of Songs. Don't ask why there was a connection. But the, the whole story of the Song of Songs is about romantic love. And again and again in that, pass, in, in that book is this refrain, don't awaken love until it's time. Don't arouse those parts until you have a God-given place for them. Marriage. You see, we have the ability to create more appetites and to create the intensity of our appetites. And the warning of Scripture is keep your appetites few. Don't arouse them unnecessarily because the road is slicked with our powerful cravings. 
But there is another road. There is the road that we have, the path of faith, and that is the call to walk by the Spirit. As Paul spoke to Christians who, who deal with gratifications just like you and I, he speaks of what we have in the gospel. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And a little later he says, the fruit of the Spirit, which you have by faith, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, the gospel in giving you the Holy Spirit has given you the weapon to stay off the slick spot. He has given you the Spirit which promises self-control. But how do you receive that self-control? You don't receive that self-control by opening the bag of potato chips. You receive that self-control by yielding to the Spirit, by walking, by being in line with the Spirit. It is a call to respond to the Spirit's power Yield to his control, and thereby you will find your appetites increasingly under control and submitted to Christ. So as you consider your powerful cravings, my exhortation to you is to yield these cravings to the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. Walk with the gift of self-control. Because, as we will see next, not only is the road slicked with powerful cravings, the road is twisted around short-sighted priorities. Now, in our story, we see that Jacob is, is, is very happy to share. Yes, yes, Esau, I do have some stew. I do have a little extra. Let me help my famished brother. Let me do what I can to, to help your appetite. I have a catch. Sell me your birthright. Wow. That's a really bold request. A bowl of soup for his birthright. His privilege as the firstborn, his privilege of receiving the, the lion's share of the inheritance, and even more, the privilege of being the, 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 the one who carries forward the line of God. As the commentary Matthew says of this, Jacob drives a hard bargain. And I agree, a bold bargain. Esau should laugh at this. He should just like smack his brother. What are you thinking? A bowl of soup for my birthright? Why doesn't he? Why doesn't he stop and say, you buffoon, I'm going to go to the other I'm going to go to mom. I'm going to have mom give me something. Why doesn't he do that? Because Esau is focused on these immediate needs. I mean, he just can't think about anything else but his, his stomach. Look at verse 32. Verse 32, what does he say? He says, I am about to die. 
of what use is a birthright to me? Death, he's going to die. If he didn't have one bowl of soup. That's what we do, don't we? We rationalize. If I don't get this, if I don't gratify this, I am going to die. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be a loser. I'm going to miss out. We take the extreme position to lay all the weight on. I've got to have it now. Gratify me. The need, the moment is all that matters on the road of instant gratification. And look how Jacob bargains with him. Twice he says, sell it to me now. Swear to me now. Let's not get out of now. Be in the now. Make up your decision now. And that's how gratification works. The road of gratification twists around short-sighted priorities. There's no long view. It hides the distance. All it wants you to see is what's right in front of you. This gratification is the whole horizon of our thought. Now, Jacob... I would not say, based on many things in this passage, to be a Jacob. But I will say this, Jacob is on a different path. He's not doing an exemplary job. But he does have the long view in mind. As Waltke comments, Esau speaks coarsely and acts on immediate demands without reflection. Jacob, in contrast, acts with foresight He speaks with finesse and acts as one who reflects, who opts for future rewards over immediate sensual gratification. You see, Jacob knows what's really valuable. He knows what is truly important, what is really of worth, and his life is about acquiring it, scheming for it, plotting it. And we can say these, these methods, these tactics, they're not good, but at least he knows what to go after. You begin to, to look at this story and you wonder, is this really that coincidental? Is it really coincidental that Jacob's there with a bowl of stew, ready to be ladled up at the moment that Esau comes stumbling in, I need some red stuff. This isn't a, a, a spontaneous thing. Jacob has set a trap. He has caught the hunter. He has watched this man live by sensual gratification day in and day out so that he knows exactly where to be and what to ask for. And he gets it. What is the birthright? It's the kingdom of God. Through your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. The birthright is the kingdom of God. It's where God reigns. It's where God's eternal life is. It's where God's Messiah is. It's where forgiveness is. It's where life and joy, an ending is. It's eternal blessing. The gospel path fights against the path of gratification by calling us to place our priority on eternity. It is the antidote to instant gratification. 
Beloved, listen to these words from a parable that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 16, verse 22. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. This is a description of what happens when we close our eyes for the last time and wake up in our eternity. One wakes up in the eternity of God's blessing of heaven. One wakes up in the eternity of anguish and torment and separation. And once we wake up, there is no path to the other side. It is a permanent, fixed destiny. This is what you must cherish. I want to illustrate this. I'm stealing something from um, another preacher named uh, Francis Chan. So you see this, this rope? You see this, this red section here? This red section is your life on earth. This white section, this is your life after you die. Keep going. This is eternity. Your life is four inches. This rope is a hundred feet. This represents 300 lifetimes. And eternity is a billion times a billion times a billion longer than that. Instant gratification says, I live for this. I live for this little section here called retirement. I live for this little section here called college. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my soul for a moment right here. And you end up like the rich man who is told this little section were your good things. And now you are in anguish. But Lazarus goes and goes and goes in comfort and blessing. This is eternity. What are we weighing? What are we valuing? I hope I impress upon you because this path gets harder and harder as we look at number three. The road is rutted by fleeting payoffs. 
The road of gratification is rutted by fleeting payoffs. Look at, the, at verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Esau gets what he wants. He satisfies his craving. And then he eats, he drinks, he rose, and he went his way. He doesn't give a second thought to what he lost. doesn't give a second thought to what it cost. He just goes on. He's filled, happy again, onward. And for how long? How long do you think he'll be satisfied before he needs another bowl of that red stuff? It's fleeting. He'll be back in this, in this grind again in, in four or five hours. But you see, the road of gratification is a cycle that we get ourselves in, craving satisfy, craving satisfy. Craving satisfy. What do we become when we live on the road to gratification? We're animals. That's what animals do. They just go from urge to urge. And that is what we become on the road to gratification. Here's the life of the road to gratification. Eat, sleep, play, work, repeat. Is that your cycle? Is that what you're in? Tomorrow's going to look like today, and today's going to look like yesterday. It all runs together. I, don't, I can't remember what I had for lunch because all of my life is just eat, drink, work, play, and sleep. That's all of it. The commentator Alan Ross says something profound. He says, Esau was oblivious to what he had because he was preoccupied with the way he was. When we live by instant gratification, all we are thinking about is the way we are right now. And we lose all idea of what we're meant to be. Pursuing gratification becomes a lifestyle. And eventually it becomes the sum of your life. That person at some point can be described entirely by his desires. I have seen gratification wipe out major chapters of life with people who have never given a moment to consider what's it all about? What matters? Why am I here? You see, living from urge to urge to urge can get you all the way to the grave without one moment of saying, why am I here? What matters? What's truly good? What truly lasts? And you leave behind an obituary filled with trivialities. This man was great at golf. This woman had the best cinnamon rolls. That's what we remember her for. The trade-off, look at the trade-off. The kingdom for a bowl of soup. Immediate gratification rewards quickly, but it has a huge cost. It keeps us from depth and reflection of interest in greater things. Beloved, 
The devil can steal heaven just by giving us a cookie to chase. Beloved, listen to what Paul wants you to know in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He says, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're going to pass away. They're going to disappear. But the things that are unseen are eternal. They will last. They will go on and on and on. It says light momentary affliction. It means that even if you're suffering, be assured you've got so much happiness, so much joy, you won't even be able to remember it. I'm talking about having a little moment of happiness. And I'm saying multiply it by a billion and make it last a trillion years and I've only approximated what you have in heaven. Don't sell the kingdom for an orgasm or a hit or a distraction. Fourth, and I hope I have your attention, because the road to gratification dead ends with no turnaround. This is the tragedy. I, I, you have to feel this. Gratification made Esau despise the really good. It made Esau value as worthless, true treasure. Despise means to treat as trash. It is used in, in, in passages to be the opposite of honoring and cherishing. He despised his birthright. And this is the scary thing, that the path of gratification will eventually harden us totally to the gospel. Because gratification says, I've got all your want to. You don't have any want to left for the gospel. The call of the gospel falls on deaf ears to the instantly satisfied man. This is a serious warning. Esau does not come back from this. This is Esau's point of no return. Hebrews chapter 12 makes Esau an example for all of us when it says in verses 15 to 17, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. 
For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. No chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. There is a place where you can become so gratified that the gospel offer can't reach you. That the call to repentance is is dead words. And that means you have died like like a, a sheep led for slaughter even before your last breath. Jesus says something similar in the the parable of the barns in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, the night, this night, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is a man committed to his own gratification that he builds bigger barns. But the day of repentance came and went and his soul was taken. And he is known to us as a fool because he spent his time on life laying up treasures for himself, gratifying himself And not seeking to be rich towards God, not seeking to cherish God. The road of gratification dead ends suddenly. And when the dead end comes, it is too late to turn around. Our window of repentance will be over. Beloved, this is the road of gratification. It is slick with our powerful cravings. It is twisted around short-sighted priorities. It is rutted by fleeting payoffs, and it dead ends with no turnaround. Let me again tell you the other path. It is to walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you are a Christian, you have been given the resources, the mighty power of God to work upon you and keep you on the path of faith. But you must walk, you must yield, you must call upon the Holy Spirit to guide you and to strengthen you from temptation and from the easy gratifications of X, Y, and Z. But I know that I'm speaking to other people in the room too. Have you drifted from the path of faith? After having looked at this and walked alongside it, you wonder, am I on the path of faith? Have I lost my birthright? Am I hopeless? 
Have I already set my course for eternity? Be encouraged. Today, the path of faith is offered afresh. Even if you have despised the birthright 10,000 times, be encouraged. Jesus says these words to you, the Son of God, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You still have a claim to heaven because Christ freely offers it to you. He has paid for every faithless act you have committed on the path of gratification, on the cross. And then he has offered you all of the faithfulness of himself, all of the righteousness, all of the perfection, all of the goodness, all of the well-done, good and faithful servant of Jesus' service on your behalf. He offers it all to you freely. He says, have you sold your birthright? Have you lost it for a bowl of soup? I give it to you now by faith in Jesus. I will make you a child of God. It doesn't matter who your daddy is. It doesn't matter what order you were born in. It doesn't matter what you have done in the flesh. I will freely restore you to the childhood of God. Believe in him. Receive him. Follow him. Your birthright is made secure in Christ alone. Follow him. Walk by the Spirit. Treasure what lasts. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.